2: Now the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's twelve oh three on Monday afternoon, November sixth. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. The influence of artificial intelligence is expanding the employment market. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the week ahead will include reports on business inventories and consumer sentiment. We're also still digesting the government jobs report for October, which came out on Friday. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park Business Line, reminding you to bring your. business. Business home is Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG in Chicago. Diane, thank you for joining us today. And before we talk about some of the, uh, the reports coming out this week, a rather light week for economic data, your take on the uh, employment report for October, which came out Friday
0: morning. Well, sure. We had 150,000 jobs created during the month. 51,000 of those were in one sector alone, the government sector, largely public schools hiring up on staffing positions that have been empty since um, reopening. So that's an important shift. We're actually seeing the slowdown was Um, important, but it was also partly exacerbated by strikes. The UAW strike and the actor's strike not only sidelined over 44,000 workers during the month, some 96,000 workers were affected by work stoppages. So that's part of the reason we had the weakness. Those striking workers did not show up as unemployed, but anyone who was laid off as a result to work stoppages due to strikes were counted in the unemployed. And that's part of the reason why the unemployment Limit rate actually rose during the month to 3.9%. We do have some tentative agreements out there, so that should help the numbers going forward. But we've really seen a very major shift in the job market. What was supposed to be the hardest mile of the Fed's marathon against inflation has become a relay race, where those sectors that drove gains earlier on have now um, stagnated, and sectors that lagged the expansion earlier on are now picking up the baton and carrying it in terms of employment gains. That said, we really have only three sectors driving overall employment gains. Since last uh, July, about 90% of all employment gains have come from leisure and hospitality, health care in the government, and those are the least interest rate sensitive sectors, so I don't think there's any coincidence there. What we worry about is how vulnerable does that make us to any kind of a decline, should we have any kind of external shock.
2: We're talking to Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG in Chicago. Two of the interesting reports that jump out for me this week are uh, Wednesday Wholesale Inventories and Friday Consumer Sentiment. Wholesale Inventory is interesting to me because uh, one of the issues we've had over the past year was you went from supply chain issues to a supply glut as a lot of factories uh, overproduced to make up for product shortages in late 21 and early 22 what are we going to see what later this week
0: Well, what we're going to see for the overall third quarter is that inventories rebuilt a bit. We already have some of that data out there, but we're going to see another drain in inventories as we go into the fourth quarter, not the least of which is due to the UAW strike and the fact that we're still not replenishing vehicle lots. So that is a factor out there. But you're exactly right is the movement of, you know, from boom to bust in inventories and having too much, um, what people thought would be just-in-case inventories, those got real expensive to carry once the insurance costs and the financing rates on those uh, inventories went up pretty dramatically. So it's much easier to keep inventories thinner rather than tighter um, as we go into the holiday season.
2: And then lastly, and very quickly, consumer sentiment, is this just basically uh, how does the public feel about inflation and gas prices?
0: You know, it is. The sentiment numbers are more sensitive to that, but it's even more than that. It um, also breaks down by party affiliation, and people are viewing the economy through the lens of their party affiliation. And, you know, in some ways, the sentiment index is also an IQ test. If you look around and think back of the peak in sentiment of January 2000, the world was a different place. And if you look around the world today, it's hard to say it's all that great.
2: Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG in Chicago, thank you for joining us today. Coming up, how AI is creating a new age of hiring. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Artificial intelligence is changing the job hunt. Let's discuss the role of AI and algorithm driven hiring with Rob Barnett, headhunter and career advisor, author of the book Next Job, Best Job. Find him online, robbarnettmedia.com. Rob, thanks for joining us today. And at first blush, thanks to LinkedIn, thanks to Indeed, thanks to other online job platforms, it seems like this would be a golden age of, hire, of, of of hiring opportunities and finding opportunities. And yet a lot of job seekers say the process is more frustrating than ever.
3: Yes, I am here to help everyone listening fight the fear of robots. You ready? We've got to do it. We've got to do it because hiring, the way it's really done is only about one thing. You've got to get to a real human being. And so I've got a couple of tips if you have a couple of minutes on how to help people do it, because if you're just cold uploading a resume and you haven't been a lottery winner, those are not the best ways to get a job.
2: Right, you have to do a little bit of uh, what they use, what they still call search engine optimization, uh, making sure you have certain keywords in your resume or your cover letter that will uh, ping whatever uh, application or AI application the uh, company's HR department is using.
3: You're absolutely right, but I don't want people to feel that every time they're ready to apply for a job, they've got to completely recreate a new resume and throw some new buzzwords in there. I want people to do it once. You've got to take stock of who you are and sell yourself in the best possible way you can with one version of the resume. But then you can't go applying to jobs that you're not qualified for. So we advise people to use the 75-25 rule. You've got to be able to check 75% of the boxes of the requirements on these job descriptions, or else constant uploading of resumes is really not going to get you anywhere.
2: I mean, in some cases, I know it's just simply not practical, but uh, you talk to some people about, you know, how do you find the new job or how do you find a place that offers more opportunities to move up? Uh, And they just say, at a certain point in your career evolution, filling out online applications is simply a waste of time. What's your your take on that?
3: Well, it's not enough because you've got to put your detective hat on if you're applying to a company, you've got to spend some time going on to LinkedIn, which is really the main place you want to be, and trying to invite as many people who work at that company to connect with you directly. Now, the worst thing in the world that's going to happen is they won't. But when someone does, you've got the world's most important question. You go to that person and try to find out Who the hiring manager is. You've got to end run the system. If you just upload and wait for someone to call you back. You're really not going to get the responses that you need.
2: We're talking to Rob Barnett, headhunter and career advisor. Find him online, robbarnettmedia.com. And then the last question is, when you do find that hiring manager, when you've managed to uh, Columbo your way into finding the person uh, who who is actually making the hire, uh, is it just simply a case of uh, ask and the worst thing they can say is leave me alone?
3: Well, yes, you've got to try to get to that hiring manager, but then when you do, the last thing I'll share is you've got to bring something more than just your history and all the right buzzwords on the resume. You've got to prepare a cover letter that shows every company you're applying to that you've taken the time to do the homework on who they are and what they're all about and address them Don't just sell your greatest hits of the past.
2: Rob Barnett, headhunter, career advisor. Find him online at robbarnettmedia.com and also find his book, Next Job, Best Job. Coming up next, money moves to make before the end of the year. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As 2023 winds down, there are some important financial moves to be made. Let's get some help from Dan Rahill, wealth strategist at Wintrust Wealth Management based in Chicago. Dan, thank you for joining us today. It's It's hard to believe that uh, the end of the year is about uh, 7 weeks away. I mean, where where is the time gone, Dan?
4: Yeah, Rob, thank you for having me on and and you're right. Time is uh time is short right now to do some of the things that we need to do or want to do before the end of the year as far as uh tax and financial planning. Some of the usual suspects are out there, but uh but I have a few new uh Ideas that are, are twists on the old standards too, like capital gain harvesting. If you want to talk about that,
2: sure. What are what are some? I mean, there there are some of the the basic stuff like uh, rebalancing your portfolio, which uh, in, in these days seems like uh, trying to carry a, a tray of drinks across a rocking cruise ship, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and charitable contributions. But what are, what are some other things you should do between now and December thirty first?
4: Well, here's a question I got on Friday. That's a good illustration. I had an individual call me that has large capital loss during the year. And we normally talk about capital loss harvesting at the end or trying to take your losses, but you're limited only to $3,000 of of total losses on your tax return and, and the remainder carries forward to future years. Well, this individual had a very large loss and wanted to know if they could trigger capital gains in their portfolio, offset that loss and buy back the gains immediately? And and the answer is yes. There is a rule out there called the wash sale rule that says if you take a loss and you buy that stock back within 30 days, it washes and you don't get the loss this year. It just carries forward. Well, for capital gains, it does not apply. So this individual is able to offset a large capital loss with a large capital gain without giving up that position by buying it back the next day. So, so that's one trick on capital gains and losses that, that you need to plan for at the end of the year as you schedule out your capital losses. No, no wash sale rules on capital gains, and there's no wash sale rules on crypto either. This will be the first year that people receive 1099Bs on crypto sales. So take that into account, too.
2: And then what about things like uh, benefits you get from your employer? For example, uh, deductibles resetting or maybe uh, health savings accounts, uh, the clock running out on that, or even in some cases, uh, just taking advantage of all of your paid time off. Well, you,
4: the second item you just mentioned is one of my favorite self-savings accounts because there's a triple benefit there. Uh, it's it's better than either a after-tax IRA or 401k drop contribution in my mind, and it's better than a Roth IRA contribution in my mind. Why? You get a deduction when you put the money in, and for a married couple, they get 7750 this year, $7,750 deduction. And if they're over the age of 50, they get an extra $1,000. So you could put $7850 into that account this year, get a deduction for it on this year's tax return. It'll grow tax-free. And when you take it out at retirement to pay for, or after a certain age, 70, you can use it for anything. It, it, it provides you long-term care insurance in a way. So it's tax-free coming back out at the back end, too. So make sure you, you set up an HSA account if you don't have one, a health savings account. Um, and employers, if you're employed, your employer may have one. Please sign up and, and max out on that account if you have the, a high deductible plan.
2: Dan Rahill, Wealth Strategist, Wintrust Wealth Management in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, Chicago restaurants make some changes ahead of the city's tipped wage increase.
5: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
4: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend
2: today.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
4: You have 47 new voicemails.
2: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
6: This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather
2: Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on news radio. WBBM, a young Chicago girl is critically wounded in a dispute said to involve walking through a neighbor's yard. Former President Trump takes the stand at his civil fraud trial and is warned by the judge. Chicago restaurants are beginning to trim costs as the city prepares to eliminate the sub-minimum wage for tipped workers. The stock picker Monday we will get a couple of suggestions from Portfolio Pro. WBBM Sports: The Cubs reportedly have a new manager. They're closing in at a deal to make Craig Counsel their new manager, moving from the Brewers to the Cubs if the Inc. is signed on that contract. Business, the markets are mixed right now. The Dow is up 15 points. The NASDAQ is down uh, is, uh, is down 30 points now, and the S&P 500 is down 7. We have 67 degrees right now under partly sunny skies at 1231, topping our news at the half hour. An 11-year-old girl is in critical condition condition after being wounded in the West Englewood neighborhood yesterday afternoon. She was inside her house when struck in the head by a bullet. Her family says it happened after a neighbor became upset when they walked across his lawn in the 2000 block of West 68th place to avoid a muddy area. Latrice Pierce is a friend of the victim's family. She tells CBS2.
0: Who would do that? like, why would you shoot a little girl? And to come to find out it's the next door neighbors, it was just even more crazy.
2: Police are questioning two people in relation to the incident, no word yet on any charges. The judge presiding over Donald Trump's civil fraud trial has admonished him to keep his answers concise as the former president began testifying at a lawsuit accusing him of dramatically inflating his net worth. An exasperated New York Supreme Court judge, Arthur N. Gorin, said at one point, quote, we don't have time to waste. We have one day to do this. The judge also noted the trial is not a political rally. Trump is aligning with his two sons and seeking to downplay his direct involvement in preparing and assessing the financial statements in question. It's 1232. As the noon business hour continues, markets have turned lower. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Vahan Jenjigian, chief investment officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thank you for joining us today and it looks like the uh stock market rally we've uh, had at the end of last week ran out of gas a little bit today.
5: Yeah, but you know, I wouldn't put any uh any weight on that. So October was a terrible month. We saw a big sell-off. In fact, uh the Russell 2000 was down over 6%, but the the first 3 days of November were fantastic and and the Russell uh basically uh, gained back almost everything it lost. So you know, today, uh, not much is happening. Whether the market's up a little or down a little it doesn't really matter that much.
2: Where are we right now in terms of the major forces that are shaping both the equities markets and the bond market right now? Uh, do we have any more clarity on the Fed's interest rate path? Um, do they have to signal that they're done, or have the markets already determined that they're probably finished raising interest rates?
5: Well, you know you know Rob, I would say that the two biggest risks right now in the market are geopolitics, especially what's going on in the Middle East um, and interest rates um and as you said, uh, you know the Fed is a big player in the interest rate area, and I think the Fed is done I think they've they've pretty much uh, signaled that they're done they didn't rule it out completely, but I think they're done however, um, I'm more concerned about the uh, long term interest rates, um, especially because the um the national debt has become so big, and we've now reached a point where the interest payments on the debt are approximately 14% of the budget, and that's going up pretty rapidly. So, so I actually think um, the interest payments on the debt are the biggest economic risk to the market right now, and and something that investors really have to think about.
2: And how is that going to uh, impact the bond market and in turn impact the Fed's efforts to potentially pivot if they have to, or begin uh, uh, quantitative easing once again, you know, if if conditions warrant?
5: Well, I'm not sure they need to begin quantitative easing. I, I think they do need to reduce the Fed funds rate. In fact, in my opinion, they should have never raised the Fed funds rate to the current levels. I think they should have stopped somewhere around 4%. But I also think they should have been more aggressive in um, in selling bonds off of their balance sheet. Um, so we want to see an upward sloping yield curve. So that what that means is that we want long-term rates to be higher than short-term rates. And we can get there very quickly if the Fed simply reduced the uh, Fed funds rate to about 4%. That would be a very healthy thing for the economy it would also allow the government to um, to use short-term debt financing um, to pay for the uh, the national um, the interest on the debt however um, it's a big mystery to me why the government did not just a couple of years ago um, really issue a lot of long-term debt we were in a situation where 10-year bonds were were well under one percent yet the government was still issuing a lot of short-term debt at higher rates and I, and I just don't get that
2: Vahan and Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, restaurants in Chicago prepare for the increase in pay for tipped workers. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. An ordinance approved by the City Council last month will phase out Chicago's minimum wage for tipped workers by 2028 through a series of annual increases. Restaurants are looking at ways to trim costs in preparation for higher labor expenses we welcome in izzy karish president of hospitality works aka the restaurant coach in chicago izzy thank you for joining us today before we talk about the ways in which uh, chicago restaurants are preparing for the phase in of the uh, minimum wage ordinance for tipped workers are there other cities and other states in which they have eliminated the tipped wage and how have uh, restaurant owners uh, experienced that
6: Well, there are other states that have done that. Certainly, California uh, has done that, Oregon, a lot of the states on the West Coast, a lot of the southern states are still at the old, you know, uh, tip minimum wage of, you know, call it $5, $6 an hour, uh, and a few places on the East Coast. So, uh, you know, certainly initially, it is a game changer. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for the city of Chicago, essentially a 40 to 50 percent bump in wages, which is very hard for any, uh, you know, any business to sustain. I know we had clients in Oregon where they moved this uh, tip minimum wage much, much faster uh, in less than a year or in a year. And many businesses just went out of business. They just could not handle that kind of a, uh, a substantial increase.
2: For, for the typical restaurant, when you talk about margins and just how much money you need to make in a day or in a night just to break even, um, what type of crowds are we talking about? Uh, you know, how many tables need to be full in an establishment to, to say, okay, we're making money on the day, much less the week or the month?
6: Well, we look at that with our clients. I mean, we, you know, we have some clients who have large restaurants, smaller restaurants, but we look at it exactly the way that you do, Rob, which is to say, hey, this is how much we need to make every day just to break even, you know, not only the hourly rates for the employees, manager salary, but turning the lights on, turning the electricity, the gas on, all of those things matter. And every time, I mean, again, to the general consumer, they're thinking, well, that's not much of a big deal, but We're talking about uh, profitability in restaurants has been cut in half uh, in the last few years. So it it is becoming harder and harder to exist with these changes uh, so quickly. And then there is, uh, you know, other changes through the state of Illinois coming uh, at the same time, you know, with, uh, you know, personal leave on top of
2: this. Given this ramping up in in labor costs and and, and that's just, you know, it's that's that's. That's a fact of life. Um, who stands to to be to, who stands to stand when this is over? Who's going to be who's going to be standing when when all of the economic fallout uh, settles? Is it going to be the more well capitalized places, the chains that can uh, potentially uh, overcome that type of uh, 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 that, that, that kind of type of increase in, in labor costs?
6: Well, this is a case where we are all in the same boat, but the chains are going to be looking at technology very very closely. Uh getting uh you know even something simple like a french fryer that's, you know, does everything on its own, well, that could eliminate three shifts of employees in a day. Uh so they're going to look at that. Um rest you know a lot you, you know you see some restaurants with robots out there, you're going to see a lot more.
2: And then lastly, uh Let's talk about the timing of this, especially coming out of COVID and also at a portion at a period of time where uh, food costs and and other expenses have gone up uh, considerably. I mean, you you can't 2020 is over and you can't make up for the fact that there was a lot of lost business in that time.
6: No. And, uh, you know, certainly the cost of food has gone up substantially. Uh, Labor is going up. So. Restaurants uh, again can only raise prices so much, and one of the things that the consumer doesn't think about. I mean, if uh, you know this minimum wage for tipped employees is going to go up to fifteen dollars an hour, I think you're going to see restaurants and the uh, certain organizations saying, "Look, if we're not doing tip minimum wage anymore, and we're going to pay forty to fifty percent more for every employee, then we should be able to, you know, take uh, put on the bill at eighteen percent." service charge and the restaurant should be able to take half of that and put it in their pocket and the rest go to the server because there is no compensation for the restaurant on this.
2: Izzy Carish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. Academy of Words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday. Helping us out today is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the UpsideStocks.com newsletter in Hammond. Thank you for joining us today, Chuck. And both of your selections today are from the industrial space.
1: They are. I think if if this uh, recent uh, downward trend we've seen in interest rates and uh, continues, I think that's going to be a, a real boost to, to some of the economically sensitive areas like the two stocks that I have here today. The, the first one is ITT. The symbol, not surprisingly, is ITT. Stock trades for about $100 a share. It is a specialty industrial machinery company, so it makes things like connectors and pumps and shock absorbers uh, in in a variety of industries such as aerospace, defense, uh, automotive, and, and the list goes on. So it's very diversified in terms of its customer base. Uh, the company has put up some really nice numbers here in the September quarter. Their sales and profits handily beat earnings estimates. And, and best of all, the stock actually rose on that news, which is which is nice to see, that it, it truly was a nice beat. Uh, the company raised its outlook for the third straight quarter following the quarter, so there's a, a lot of momentum here that analysts are trying to catch up to. You get a dividend yield of 1.2%. You get a stock that has – Real nice relative price strength, and and overall, it's a nice solid mid-cap stock with a market cap of about eight billion. That's ITT, trades for a hundred dollars a share, and, and the symbol again is ITT.
2: And then uh, as we move down the as we move down Factory Row, as it were, uh, tell us about <laughs> AIT.
1: AIT is a, a distributor of the types of products that ITT makes. They're a distributor of of things like motion and power and control and automation products, a big a big area of their product line are bearings. In fact, I believe the company used to be called bearings before they changed their name to Applied Industrial Technologies. Uh, earnings estimates have been rising for the company. Uh, you have uh, a 1% dividend yield. Uh, you have strong earnings beats in the latest quarter, so it has pretty good momentum going uh as well and uh, again mid-cap stock six billion dollar market cap uh again these are two stocks we own them we like them from the industrial space and they have some good operating momentum and good relative price strength on their stock movements. so uh, uh these are two areas in economically sensitive area that we think investors should take a look at
2: and then very quickly while i have you uh, been a pretty uh, volatile month for stocks what's the dow theory telling you
1: well, the Dow theory is still bullish. We haven't had a change in the trend. We did have a, a pretty significant correction, but that uh, we're still deeming that a correction within a bull market. And that correction had kind of run to where you would expect it to run to those outer limits, which really set the market up to be ready to go higher. And we did get a nice move last week, and hopefully that'll continue here. But the the, the primary trend is still bullish under the Dow theory.
2: Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the UpsideStocks.com newsletter. in Hammond, thank you for joining us on this Stock Picker Monday. His selections, ITT, the ticker symbol ITT, and AIT, Applied Industrial Technologies. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.